So welcome back, everybody. This is the <laughs> you need to know this week, brought to you by our friends from Eggvisor Pro. That's right. And uh, we got some good questions that came across. You could tell it's getting closer to spring. And if you got the time, why don't you check our uh, friends out at Agvisor Pro, uh, at Agvisor Pro on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And also check them out on the web, Agvisor Pro. And if you have the curiosity that we do, you'll find some pretty decent content there. So what do we have for a question this week, Kyle? Well, I'll say before the question, there is one really cool feature. Now, I mentioned it last week. There's this follow feature. I, I believe I mentioned it was just for experts, but it's for anybody. So if, if you see something you want to follow, and it's a question, for sure on the expert end, and you go, I don't want to answer this, but I want to see how other people answer this. So if you want to join the app and kind of see what type of questions come in, there's also that feature as well. Yep, you can see, you can see the questions coming in. So I chose to play around with that feature, and there was a question asked that, although I have an answer, and this is what we're going to actually address on this week's episode, but I wanted to follow and see how others answered that question. And so here is that question. There are a lot of debate in Western Canadian news about variable rate fertilizer. Some consultants, who, mind you, don't do variable rate fertilizer, say it doesn't pay. Yet others have seen variable rate fertilizer saves money and increases returns. Yet others say only variable rate fertilizer is topography related if it's undulating, but there are other factors besides topography affecting soil variability in the field. I do agree with this. With the price of fertilizer so high, it seems like variable fertilizer would be a sound way to go. I also agree with this statement. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> or is it sectional control shutoff that's a better first technology to implement, which it could be? And what's our experience in the U.S.? And how are we addressing this particular debate? Any lessons that we've learned? So hmm. that, our friends, is a lot to unpack. And we're going to do so in a short amount of time because this is the you need to know it's a good question because it's specific you get down to i mean it has kind of a number of parts in there but like we said before if you are on the app and you send questions in the more specific you can be the better answers you're going to get and there's Absolutely. like there's a there's a wide range of stuff in there i i just in fact i just sat down with one of my farmers uh this past week and talked about uh he had tried some variable rate zone sampling that type of thing and uh, he decided that, uh, I don't know if it was really what he was looking for, but he's, he's using, he's kind of doing some stuff himself and how he's doing it is with that sectional shutoff control. He did his old anhydrous uh, zones. He was using my John Deere mm -hmm. and went through it and he just started like one field. He's going to try it out. So I, I just sat down like, show me how you did it. Well, actually that, that, that's probably the best place to address first is sectional shutoff control. Does that make sense to implement that? My argument is you should be doing both. But the section shutoff control, that's a huge deal. So if you're in the Canadian prairies that are in the prairie pothole region, just like the bulk of North Dakota and a very good chunk of South Dakota is in the prairie pothole region and parts of western Minnesota for that, that prairie pothole region covers a huge area. So every quarter section of land has who knows how many potholes and sloughs that are in there that that quarter section of land isn't a perfect 160-acre piece like it would be if you're in really well-drained, uh, good flat farm ground, the, the pothole regions are not like that. And so you're constantly turning around potholes and all the equipment has only gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. Sprayers being 120 foot booms, spreaders being 70 feet, 
drills being anywhere from 40 up to 100 feet in width. And so the investment in sectional shutoff would be a huge precision egg advancement for this particular aspect. I see that being a huge investment. Not necessarily a precision egg thing, but should it be an investment? Absolutely. You could save some major money there. Just think, Jason, uh, I'm thinking to my retail days on selling chemistries. Think about how many guys that know that even though they have potholes in a field, they know they planted, let's say, 135 acres. That That's a real common number on a quarter section of ground. They're still purchasing close to 160 acres of chemistry for that one particular field because there's so much overlap. You have individual row shutoff, or in a case with sprayer, individual nozzle shutoff. One of the first responses you get back from those that have bought that type of technology is that, I went out to spray 135 acres and I sprayed 135.5 or 136 acres and not 160 acres. So sectional control shutoff, and that translates to grain drills with anhydrous, or that could that could be uh, boom sections on on something bigger, individual row shutoff on planters, even just having one half versus the other half on a spreader. That stuff pays. That makes a huge difference. Our markets and fertilizer and input costs have changed so much dramatically from this past fall. And uh, that's where my interest has come in from people that I've had a lot of people that just have not done that, say zone sampling. And this year they are like, yes, we want to look at it. And they're interested in what's going to cost me and all this type of stuff. And I think that there's this maybe an idea that it's going to save them money. I think they're going to find out they're going to just reallocate funds based on a lot of what they have. So it's a, it's, it's, it's drilling down in more detail on the on that individual field mm-hmm. more so than, oh, if I do this and spend this, I'm going to save this. I think you have to look at it a little differently. So it's weird on this whole precision egg everything. Those individuals, and I'm just speculating here, but those consultants that are saying it doesn't pay are probably living 20 and 30 years ago, for sure 20 years ago, when precision egg was making kind of its first real push into the industry. And how they looked at precision agriculture then was let's say you have a varying topography field and you have nice, uh, you have eroded hilltops and you have nice swales. So on the hilltops, you have lost your organic matter. You have coarser soils, higher pH. You don't produce much on that because you have low water availability. You got those low areas with high organic matter. You have great productivity and you can produce a lot on that. What they were doing with the original train of thought on precision ag was to make those hills produce the same as the low areas. And that just simply doesn't work. And then you actually overspend on your fertility bill. Flip side is now is you you break down fields by productivity and you only fertilize to that field's, to the granular level, what the productivity is. So let's pick on spring wheat. Let's say there's parts of a spring wheat field that let's say on average you are fertilizing for 60 bushels per acre spring wheat and you have a standard fertility rate for 60 bushels per acre now let's reevaluate and look at that field with varying topography those eroded hilltops maybe make 15 bushels why would you put 60 bushels worth of fertilizer on those hilltops so to your point jason you're probably not spending any any differently as far as your fertilizer bill but you're reallocating so you're taking away from those poor areas and you're doubling down on those really good areas, those low swales, mm-hmm. the higher organic matter, the better productivity, all those extra inputs go into that versus your hilltops. 
Well, I had, a, I had a conversation with a different farmer this week, and he was talking about last year in the drought, there was areas in fields where they were pulling 95 bushel spring wheat. So that is that going to make an impact on the soil test results after that pull? Absolutely. But what is the productivity in that area as well? So we, ha- we have to address that. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's, a, there's a lot of factors. Look at our moisture content right now. We should be fairly decent on that. But you know when it starts drying out, we're going to have differences that show up there as well. Well, those places that did 95 bushel last year, those are probably the areas that don't grow anything most years because it's flooded out and it gets killed, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are your slough bottoms or the areas that are inside of that ring of death where all that salt kind of precipitates out around around the potholes and sloughs. So you can't count on that every year, but that, that goes to show that this variable rate thing and, and zone management is a fluid thing. You have to keep up with it. You have to pay attention every year. You have to go, is this going to be a really wet year? Is this going to be a really dry year? How do I adjust my fertility? So it's not like once you have a zone productivity map made that that's the zone productivity map for the entirety of the field. It's just not true, especially in pothole regions. Wow. It's, it, to me, it's like if you're playing a basketball game and your opponent comes out and starts man-to-man and you match up really well with them and then you're, you're beating them down and they switch to zone defense – no pun intended. <laughs> and you have a tough time because you're not moving with the basketball uh, away from the basketball. You have to adjust. You have to, you're still playing the same game. Uh, something's throwing something different at you. So you got to do something a little different. And that's uh, nothing is we don't like it to be the same every year. It's not the same. Look at our spring right now. We got snow. We got water. We've had blizzards, we've had floods, we've had tornadoes, we've had hail. Complete rain. 180 from last year. Yep. Totally different. And everybody remembers last year. We were fertilizing at this time. We were seeding at this time. Yeah, and we seeded into powder. It's just different. So it's the same field. There's going to be some differences. I, I know. I've, I've already, on my drive down here today, meeting Kyle, I'm thinking, i got to talk to my guys about this is going to change probably some things we have to do with our nutrient levels from soil sampling because of the moisture content that we have sitting on these fields. And so it's an audible. You got you to gotta adjust on the fly. So variable rate fertility, productivity in the field is going to vary year to year, depending on what happens. I mean, we're going from a very droughty year to a very wet spring. Things are going to change. And, and we were picking on I would want to say the lowest hanging fruit as far as where variable rate fertility works, and that's in varying topography, pothole country. That makes a lot of sense. But what what's the other side of the coin? And that's just to the podcast that just dropped earlier this week that we did with GK Technologies. Mm-hmm. They are based out of the Red River Valley. They have fields that they variable rate fertility on that are pancake flat, that have very little topography change, and... And as far as soil type goes, they have entire sections, multiple sections of the same exact soil type, but yet the field does not yield all the same. And it's because of water. And so when you're pancake flat like that, if you cannot get water to move off in a timely manner, that if water pools for any amount of time, then that affects on where salts deposit or where salts will wick up out of the soil and cause productivity issues. It could also cause uh, denitrification 
from applied nitrogen if the nitrogen was applied. That's the biggest one for me. Yep, but everyone years and years and years has been flat rating fertility. So they're flat rating their phosphorus. They're flat rating their micronutrients. They're flat rating their potassium. But yet that field floods. And if it's not drained off in an adequate amount of time and and then you have crop that drowns out and you just call it a drownout area and you don't replant it, or it doesn't get replanted to something till a lot later, it has way different crop uptake. And you have year over year over year over year crop growth like that. And eventually it changes zone fertility. Yeah. And so that's what these guys, this is, this is why agronomists really dig into this whole variable rate fertilizer thing is that even on a pancake flat field like this, just because we're talking inches difference in elevation that where water set changes the long-term fertility as far as what they can pull out of a soil test out of the field. And so, I mean, back to that original question, does variable rate fertilizer pay? Does it make sense? Your answer, Jason? Well, so I'll give you the typical agronomist. Uh, yeah, it's, it's more than it depends, uh, but it is, it's what you want to do with your farm and what you're seeing and you can adjust. There's, we know there's areas that you just got to not be putting inputs into. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, there's those parts of the field. You just got to like, you know what? Yeah, you have it, you, you own it, you rent it, whatever. It's not doing you any favors. It's a money pit. So let's, let's allocate back to our uh, zone fours or zone fives that are a lot more productive. Look at those. We have higher yield potential. Yes. It's going to cost more. We have more potential there. So yeah, it's, uh, it's something you got to look at and pay attention to because it's, that's just, that's just ag. That's agronomy. To me, that's, it, it, it makes sense. Right, right. So here, here's my answer to that is, are you going to save money? No, you don't save money. But here's what's going to happen. Actually, you're going to spend more money because it's going to, it's going to cost you something to actually hire an agronomist that will actually map your field and do it the correct way and not just come up with some one-year image, but actually spend the effort on whatever means necessary to accurately depict the variability in that field and then build those productivity maps on a, on a zone basis. And so that has an initial upfront cost. In the whole scheme of things, that cost is extremely low. Then to your fertility bill, my guess is that never changes. Even if you variable your fertilizer, you're likely not using less. Like we've said earlier, you're reallocating your resources. So you're actually taking areas of the field that would have gotten this flat rate that can't even produce to that level, and you're reallocating it to a different part of the field that could actually produce more. That's the premise there. So you're spending some money up front to have this mapped out the right way. You're not spending any differently on your fertility bill, but the end result is going to be higher overall yield. If you have higher overall yield on that same field that you're flat rating, then you have more bushels to actually sell. More bushels to sell is more cash flow. That is how you're going to make money, and that is how variable rate fertility is going to pay. Wouldn't you do that on your mutual funds? <laughs> I mean, that's the goal, right? Yes. Is you're going to pull out and put some over here or, or put more into this area that there's a higher return. That's all you're doing. That is the ag economist that's, wow, bringing that's... this back into an economic standpoint. Now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> and, and that, folks, is the <laughs> you need to know this week. So make sure to follow Eggvisor Pro. Sign up if you haven't. 
ask lots of questions because remember you're anonymous and there is a great pool of people there just willing to answer questions yep be specific jump on in it's fun it's a great app okay that's all for this week see ya